0: This is our last episode of the first season of Baffled with David DeRoche, and this is a special episode, an interview with our production team about how they value and get news and information in the modern age. What am I talking about? Every episode we do is special here, but this one is particularly special. We've done some truly exceptional episodes, I think, this first season work that I'm absolutely proud of. And to be completely honest, when I left journalism in late 2019, I really didn't know if I would get a chance to do work like this, Uh, but this podcast has meant a lot to me personally. So being able to have this wonderful team here with me along the way, has been a real treat. So thank you guys for all your hard work. So this episode, I'm wearing a mask. So if I sound muffled, I do apologize, but we have all of us here at the table. So let's just be safe. Also one of us has a cough. So don't worry about that. I promise it's safe. The COVID does not travel through microphones and uh, it's not COVID anyway. Right, Jillian? It's just just a small cough. We've already proven that. Okay. So we're fine. So again, thank you guys for agreeing to be interviewed today. Uh, And just so our listeners know, I threw this idea into their laps about half an hour ago before we were scheduled to meet uh, for a production meeting. So let's give them a big round of applause for agreeing to be put on the spotlight here. Yay. Anyway, let's meet our guests. This is the production team of this very podcast. You've heard a little bit from our producer this season, Grace McGuire. Grace is a second year student here at Quinnipiac, majoring in journalism and double minoring in Spanish and sociology. Grace, thanks for getting out from behind the mixing desk and into the hot seat again for
1: us. Of course.
0: We also have our intrepid social media coordinator here, Jillian Catalano. She's also a second-year student at Quinnipiac. She's a public relations major minoring in management. Jillian, thanks for being here. Yep. And finally, we have our multi-talented videographer, Jake McCarthy. Jake's a first-year journalism major and psychology minor. Thanks for getting on the mic today, Jake. Of course, happy to be here. Happy to have you all. So, Grace, let's put you again in the hot seat first, since you have some experience there. Uh, I want to know, what is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you here at Quinnipiac? um (laughs) just this moment right now
1: (laughs) exactly yes
0: (laughs) i'm just kidding i didn't mean to put you on the spot like that we gotta start off a little light right i mean we're gonna talk about some heavy stuff so you know let's let's get a little light if something does come to your mind that you want to share with us later that's fine but this is not about that this is about news and information so i i want to know seriously though tell us about yourself getting into journalism why journalism What sparked your interest in it?
1: I've always enjoyed writing, and I didn't know what sort of medium I wanted to do with that. And then junior year of high school, I read a book called Just Mercy, and it explored the problems in our uh, jails and our criminal justice system. And that made me want to do something and write something with a purpose. So that got me interested in investigative journalism, and here we are today.
0: Have you had a taste of doing some investigative journalism
1: yet yourself? Well luckily right now I'm taking a news reporting class and we're getting into that and also my news writing final that's due tomorrow oh, is based up. on um, investigative reporting piece so cool. a little uh, bit of that yeah.
0: Very cool so just for you as a as a journalism major I imagine needing to know what's going on is important tell me how you get your news information just about the school itself or about the community here in Quinnipiac?
1: For Quinnipiac, I get it from emails. We all get the same emails. I also get it from MyQ because I'm part of Q30 television. It's the broadcast um, club. And we have our production meetings on Sundays, and so we go over all the news in MyQ and look at what's happening.
0: So when it comes to like learning about the world or stuff outside the Quinnipiac community, how do you get your news generally?
1: Honestly, I feel like when I go on my phone, I want to zone out and not hear the tragic mm-hmm. news. So I find myself on social media. And in today's age, when something bad happens, everything's blasted all over social media. So get the news no matter what, in my opinion. Yeah. And so I see a news piece, and then I explore more and actually read actual articles about the piece.
0: So you're getting sort of like headlines blasted at you from all over the place. And then if something interests you in particular, you'll you'll read more into it. Yes, so, Jillian, what about you? So you're you're the only one here that's not a, a journalism major. You're a public relations major, which is actually the sworn enemy of journalism majors, <laughs> but we won't get into that. But it, honestly, uh, you know, PR folks who have worked in organizations that I've dealt with as a journalist can be either extremely adversarial and really challenging to, de- to deal with because they probably work for a company that's done some shady stuff, or they can be awesome and super helpful. Like I think of John Morgan here at Quinnipiac or Stephanie Reitz at UConn, who I used to deal with as a journalist. They were really helpful uh, PR folks. So it really does run the gamut. So I imagine for you as a PR major, how important is it for you to stay on top of the news? Or is it not, maybe you don't think it's as important as it might be for somebody who's majoring in journalism?
2: Um, I still think it's important. I think also as a public relations major, you're kind of dealing with like a variation of different topics. You kind of have to be knowledgeable and like not just one thing, but many different things. So you kind of have to do your research um, basically and just staying up to date on like what the trends are. And a lot of it comes with social media, like what's more popular on social media because public relations, that's like your main medium. So I feel like usually like I get my news from social media because that's just what's most relevant to my field right now.
0: So do you also do like maybe what Grace was saying like if you if you do see something that kind of really sparks your interest you'll you will read more about it through uh, a news organization?
2: Yeah like I was going to say similar to Grace the whole headline thing um, even if a headline's misleading like I'm going to click on it just because it sounds interesting and then usually I'll go more into it from there, but that's usually where I get like my main information from.
1: And of
0: course, we have the whole episode about headlines and how they can kind of trick you into clicking on them. But if you do end up going to that news story, you know, say you're mis- misled to going there. Do you find that of the journalism that you do consume, are there certain news outlets that you tend to stick to? Or are you pretty much open to, you know, whatever kind of sparks your interest?
2: I'm pretty much open to anything. Um, I would say I care sometimes more about the topic than so much the source, which... I know isn't great because a lot of sources tend to be biased. Um, And I think that's a lot of the problem with social media is like everything. People just want to click on the first thing that they see rather than really looking into like how credible is this source or how reliable is it? And I think that's how a lot of like rumors and misinformation gets spread. But I definitely am guilty of doing that.
1: I I
0: wonder about that from 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 you guys perspective, Jake, uh, let's go to you. So um, you're a freshman here. Our first year, I guess, is what we call them now, uh, majoring in journalism. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like um, that the website might not be as important as maybe it should be in, in terms of getting information? Do you think like generally speaking, you consume news and and maybe you're, uh, do you not question the source as much as maybe you should? Or what you, what's your take on that?
3: It honestly varies. So honestly, clickbait is quite a popular thing. Now I'll be on social media and it, I feel like now Days are like our generation has this lazy mindset that we just wanna we want to see what we click on and we just want to read it and get that information as quick as possible. But there will be times where like I'm reading and I'm like, this doesn't quite add up or make sense, so I will check sources on that. But typically, if I click on a source and it makes sense to me, I'm not really going to question the source. I just read what's there.
0: Right, and I think that's something called you know confirmation bias is something I experience. You know, having done journalism for a long period of time. And I think if you can at least recognize that you're doing that, I think that's step one. It's kind of like, you know, um, the 12 steps, right? I can recognize that as a problem and then sort of, you know, step away. And the problem is, is when you read something and you agree with it, that doesn't mean it's true, right? And I think that's the hard thing for anybody to get over. I mean, these these are issues that people are dealing with until they die. And I think it's especially, you know, uh, acute today. So, Jake, just tell me, take me back a little bit, uh, since I gave you know Grace and, and Jillian an opportunity to talk about why they got interested in, in what they're majoring in. What brought you into journalism?
3: As a little kid, I was always into cameras and filming and stuff like that. And all my life, I thought I wanted to be a film major. I thought that's what I was going to do with my life. I wanted to be one of those famous directors you see in the theaters. But then... When I entered high school, so our school had a TV class, which we did journalism in. And during this journalism topic, I kind of found that passion, not so much for written journalism, but for broadcast journalism and filming with journalism. And it made me want to be one of those news reporters you see on TV doing those kind of heartfelt stories instead, because I had a lot of experience with that in high school. I had success with broadcast stories about heartfelt things like for example one of them was about a lady who named her dog after her kid who passed away from cancer and it was a therapy dog and she brought it to school with kids of disabilities and her son had a disability so yeah it was awesome and then another one I did Uh, girl who an autistic girl who rode horses for therapeutic reasons and I had a lot of success with that I won a New England award and it showed that like I don't know it I had a passion for it and like even through hardships I found ways to kind of readjust so it kind of opened my eyes that you can tell stories and film and that's like two of the things I wanted to do in one
0: that's awesome and and now I remember probably why I hired you because I'm biased because I have a and affection for similar kinds of stories. And I think we talked about this in our interview with Professor Yannity, which is that, you know, the investigative work that really drives a lot of the work that I did, um, it can be very exhausting, but it's nice to step away from that and tell these really inspiring stories about people doing incredible things um, that you might not hear about otherwise. And I'm not sure I gave Julian an opportunity to actually say why PR, because we kind of went deep, straight into the news. So, Julian, let's just back up a little bit for you. Tell us what, what uh, um, sparks your interest so in public relations.
2: I've always been interested in, like, i always like to bring out like the best in like people and things like that um even in high school like when i was on teams i always found that i was like the person that was more like on the positive side instead of like focusing on all the negatives like seeing like what are the qualities that we could like bring out in people so i kind of felt like how can i do that on a larger scale and like maybe for a living i guess and um my brother actually thought like hey public relations might be good because technically you're kind of bringing out like the best in a company You're like kind of shining a light on the reputation in a more positive way. Um, I do think it gets a bad rep because people see it as like not an honest
0: profession. Well, the spin. We call it the
2: spin. Um,
0: It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, it
2: depends on, I think, how you go about things. Um, I know one thing I've learned a lot of my classes is being transparent and honest. um, And that's kind of like, goes hand in hand with having a good reputation. So I think if you do things the right way, it doesn't have to be a dishonest profession, but Yeah, I could see how it gets a bad rep in that way. I
0: agree 100%. I think those values transfer probably into any profession, but specifically in any profession where you're dealing with information, transparency and honesty. I sort of am obsessed with those two things uh, to the point where if somebody asks me a question and I know the answer is going to get me in hot water, I just keep my mouth shut. I can't. I can't lie. I mean, I have and I have obviously lied in the past, but I try so hard not to uh, in my personal life and professional life. If I can't answer the question, I try to just keep my mouth shut and that can get you into hot water, uh, you know, that that sort of level of honesty. Um, But it also, I think, can can create respect because people recognize that, okay, hey, maybe this 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 person. Uh, is not in a position to be honest, and that's maybe okay. Um, but it's better than lying, right? And so the idea that you, you're you honest as much as possible and you're transparent, um, which are, are super important values. So what do you guys think? Uh, Grace, let me turn to you. Values as a journalist. So today, journalism is, is a little bit of a different animal. We've talked a lot about this throughout the this season. Um, you know, It's more likely that journalists are gonna be open about their biases today. Uh, journalists seem to be more justice-oriented. What are some specific values you think uh, should be at the top of the list for you as you enter journalism once you graduate?
1: I think, well, one of the words I keep hearing this year especially is persistence. And that's persistence in finding sources, but it's also persistence in finding the truth and finding what the real story is. Because, you know, sometimes you go into an interview and then you realize there's a whole other story going on and you just didn't know it. Um, But at the end of the day, you're pursuing truth. And that is what you should be looking for the most, I think. And we went over how you can't be truly objective, but you can have a motive to pursue the truth at the end of the day and be transparent, like we were saying. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and I think what you said when you first started answering that question, um, you know, you start at a story and you follow the facts. You don't, and I think a lot of journalists kind of imagine starting a story and that's the story they're gonna tell. But as you're reporting, you always, not always, but most of the time, you will learn something and that kind of changes the the fact pattern. It changes the story. And I think it's so super important and that's probably one of the best lessons young reporters can learn is that you follow your nose. You don't follow your hypothesis. If you think X, that doesn't mean X happened, right? You have to follow the fact pattern. And if the story evolves, follow the story. And it just, if you the more you can do that, the the easier it will be to do that, and the easier it will be for you to sort of step outside your confirmation bias and the stories that you seek that to to prove uh, your own biases or, to, or, or that are reflective of your own biases, and tell more complex stories that that challenge people on a, on an intellectual level. Which and I think that's the great journalism, and I don't think we're doing that so much anymore. Jake, what do you think? What are some values that you think you'll be holding? high above others as you enter the field.
3: I think race said a lot of what I b- truly believe in too. And as I mentioned, I feel like today's generation is getting a bit lazy. And I feel like that can be concerning, especially for journalism. When you interview one source and there's clearly more sources out there, but they just stay with that one source because of that laziness. I feel like those other unheard sources deserve to be heard. And as she mentioned, you can't always have objectivity and journalism. At the same time, I do feel like it's important like you said, follow your nose and follow those pathways and like get the full story out of what you've been told. And then at the same time, I also believe in that it can't be biased. And I know that's a iffy subject, especially, but I feel like it is important to report both sides of the story. And that derives from that sense of laziness that I'm worried about that people won't do that. They'll just have that one side of the source and just stick with that source when there's a whole other side and whole other source that is biased. And right. you got to get both sides of the story. And I feel like that's a very important part of journalism.
0: Agree. And I, and I think what you, what you really are saying um, is, is something that I feel very passionately about. Um, and it's not just the two sides, right? It's as many sides as you can. And I think, I, I think the two sides is better than one. But the two sides is, is also creates a, a big problem that I see if you only are looking for two sides, and that's the bifurcation of the argument, which means you're polarizing it immediately because you're assuming. And I'm not trying to pick on you, Jake. No, this no, is no. How, no, I totally this, agree with this. You, is yes. how a lot of journalists operate. They yeah. they they see one side and they say, oh, that's that's kind of right. Let me go find the other opposing side, and they they do that as 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 a as a service to the side they think is right, just to be fair on the eyes of being fair. But however, there might be 14 other opinions. And it's not that you necessarily need to report on 14 other opinions, but learn about them, right? Understand what they are, and incorporate them into your reporting. The more complex that reporting can be, the less likely it is that you're going to come off as biased, and the and the more uh, informative your story is going to be because it's going to it's going to th- consider all those things. And that is the big challenge for journalists. I know I got I got sucked into the two sides thing all the time. It was really hard for me to to step outside that idea. But we live in a society that really sort of perpetuates that, right? We have two-party system, um, you know, we have Pepsi and Coke, right? All, all the sort of things and structures that are set up to create two sides. We're a competitive, you know, society. We, when you go to sporting events, it's always two teams, right? So that's just how we think about things. We think of good versus evil, black versus white, red versus blue, all these kinds of things. And it's hard as journalists to step outside from that mentality because our culture is really rooted in this idea of there are two sides, right? And I think it, it, it journalists really need to be, be conscious about recognizing the dangers of that mentality and, and stepping outside that and, and introducing more complexity into stories. So again, not picking on you because no, I, no, no, I know, no. again, this, this is this the is culture we live in, there right? There and, and being able to recognize it early is probably good. That was my wedding ring that just hit the table. <laughs> I'm not used to wearing a wedding ring. I see, keep clacking it against things. Got married like last month and now I'm wearing this thing and it, it's actually not so bad, it feels pretty good. But I'm afraid I'm going to break something. I like just clap it against it really hard. So, um, so Grace, just tell me about you. You guys have all so, sort of said that social media is is sort of the introduction to stories for you guys. Um, do you find that is that is that the case for any kind of story, like for local stories, for state, national, international, or like, are, are, do you have a different process for learning about what's going on in in Asia, or do you not necessarily care? Like I know you know maybe it's hard to care about what's going on in other countries. I I mean, I get that. When I was a student, I'm not sure I cared. Again, until 9-11 happened, then I started really caring. So I don't know, what do you guys, is that the case for all kinds of stories, social media?
1: Well, I feel like social media is sort of a trap in the way that you don't really see anything outside of the US unless it's a dramatic tragedy that's happening outside in the world. You don't get international news on social media. So like even for local news, because it's not necessarily sensational, Um, you have to be really intentional about finding it. And I kind of started um, being more intentional about it in my classes this year because I had pieces that I had to write about, like Hamden, and I'm finally learning about the place I live um, during the school year. And I feel like I realized how ignorant I am that I didn't look outside this country and I didn't even look in my own town I'm currently living in. Um, So social media definitely is not open to all sorts of news. You really have to be more intentional about when you're searching for news, knowing what you're looking for and what you're missing.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting how, you, you know, when you're required to do something for a class or for a job or whatever, how how that opens you up to your own ignorance. And it, But recognizing that I think is, is really important. So Jillian, I wanna ask you something kind of similar. Well, it's a little bit different, I guess. So do you feel like your generation um, you gravitate towards social media because you are sort of a social media generation. So you you're there for personal reasons, for fun, for entertainment, for all these different things. So all these uh, you're getting all the, these different functions from from engaging with social media, in, including your, your news and information. Is there a level of disillusionment uh, that you experience or either any of you experience? What I mean is, do you feel like that the news ecosystem, the news that's out there is just it's just so much. Uh, there's so many different news outlets, there's there's you know, so many different biases that that's just easier to just kind of let social media work it all out. And then you just kind of go wherever your interests take you based on what you're seeing in your feed.
2: Yeah, um, exactly. Because I feel like a lot of the time, like, social media has all like the big popular stories, because that's what people want to see. And that's what's being portrayed. That's what's going to get like, I guess, on a person or like company's perspective, like that's what's gonna get the most likes, the most views, the most comments. So really like you're only seeing like certain news stories or like one side of the news because that's what I think social media accounts think that people wanna see. So it does end up I think becoming pretty biased and kind of what Grace was saying like it is intentional. Like if you want to see the other side of things, or if you want to see the stories that maybe aren't so popular or the more local things, you're going to have to go out and search for it because it's not just going to pop up on your feed, unfortunately. So I think social media is definitely a big area for bias because it's just whatever's the most popular is what's thrown out there.
0: Right. And and it's whatever, you know, the algorithm is tailored to you. So it's looking at what you have clicked on in the past and, right, and creating more more stories like that. Do you ever find something you're like, that can't be true or find something that is kind of against what you would normally believe and click on it to try to trick the algorithm. I know I do that sometimes, Do so you ever do that?
2: Yeah, um, I actually have done that before. Even like TikTok is a big thing, like based on what you like, your algorithm changes. So like sometimes me, my sister will joke around because she doesn't like what's on her for you page. So she's like, can you like send me a couple TikToks so my for you page algorithm changes? Yeah. Um, just to change it up. Cause sometimes it's frustrating seeing the same thing all the time.
0: Right. That's interesting. What about you guys? Do you guys ever consciously choose something that you might disagree with to try to diversify your newsfeed? You ever done that?
3: Jake? Honestly, I can't say I have. I mean, a lot of the algorithm I receive are things I'm interested in, and I'll click on that, but I also tend to get a few things that... just to interest me. It's not that I necessarily disagree with it, but it's just different. Right. And I feel like I have that even balance of things that there's a difference between the things I'm interested in, things I believe in and follow. Right. And there's also that sense of difference. And I think I've received both ends. So I can't really say I do so click on
0: something. So you're already sort of clicking on a diverse yeah. range of things. So, so, I, so I've already been doing, doing it, if I were to say it. Yeah. Good. Awesome. What do you think, Grace?
1: I wouldn't say I do that with social media, but like if I'm searching a topic on google and like a fox article comes up and then a cnn article comes up like i'll read both of them but it's just tricky because especially with like those um outlets that are so polarized from each other you immediately have a bias towards one of them because they're just so opposite so even though you're reading both of them you have a closed mind toward one and a more open mind towards the other so you're not receiving it the same way
0: right and I, and, I, and I think that's where news outlets have failed, right? Because they are catering more and more toward uh, the bias, right? They're, they're they're increasingly becoming more polarized because that is what gets the clicks. So, you know, people are clicking on the more uh, biased stories. That tells the algorithm we want these biased stories. News companies see that, then they start making more biased stories, and now we have this the snowball effect that's happening. So obviously, we're not gonna solve that problem today.
3: <laughs> but you know, I, I wish. Yeah, wouldn't
0: that be nice? Grace, what do you think just generally about the state of journalism in your generation? Do you feel like, I mean, when I hear you guys say that you're getting your news stories through social media, it doesn't, and, and then you're then following up on stories that you're interested in, it's not shocking and it doesn't necessarily bother me because I do that as well. I mean, I also you know get a newspaper delivered to me on Sundays um, so I am also getting news that uh, that's never gonna pop up in my newsfeed. And I actually will consciously try to manipulate my, my newsfeed by clicking on stories that um, I'm not really interested in. Um, but, and they're from a news organization that I, I don't, I already know they have a bias. Um, and so to trick it requires a lot of like thinking and planning and, and I don't know. It's, there are a lot of steps you need to take. And I'm not sure regular people non journalists non public relations people you know people who are might be listening now they just are curious about journalism have the patience to do so when you guys say that you do this, that's great, but I think it's also because you care right because you're the the work that you're doing um and you're also young, so I'm not sure you know you you uh, feel comfortable even commenting on this but I, I'm curious to know, do you think that the techniques you guys use are enough for Journalists, for example, when you guys are entering the workforce, that's probably, you're probably going to still be doing consuming news in the same way, I imagine. Um, Do you think that's, that's good? Or do you guys think you could be doing more? Grace, I want to start with you with that.
1: Well, I feel like people blame our generation for like being lazy, as like Jake said. Jake well, said, not <laughs> <me>. <laughs> <laughs> There's people that think we're lazy and we're not aware of what's going on, and there's people who think we're like um, the most woke or aware. There's a lot of evidence for that. Yeah, exactly. So it's an interesting mix. And if you blame our generation for getting our news this way, you see in news stations, like it's reflective. They're trying to meet our standards now. If you look at like social media job or journalist jobs, you not only have to write articles or do like a broadcast side of it, you also have to make a social media post, and you have to do it in like five different mediums. So you can think that we're not getting our news in the best way, but society is going on our side and um, supporting our actions so who's really the right. <laughs> who's really in the wrong here
0: right and I, and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer and I think the cat is out of the bag right it's it's part of our life and I think we have to sort of to to go roll with the punches but Jake pick up on that idea that journalists now have to do all these different things and I just drive me crazy uh you know not at all the outlets I worked at but you know several of them just like you're saying, you have to you know, report the story. You have to write it for the news, and then you have to write it for the web. You have to find the the links. You have to do the, uh, you have to do the um, what do they call it? the hash the tags, the the uh, what do they call them? I can't remember anymore. The the keywords, you know. Uh, your, your metadata, you have to do the social media posts, the Facebook post, the Twitter post. you have to find the image, you have to take the image, you have to find the rights for it, all these <laughs> different things. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they it,
1: somehow have to be different than each other. Right? That's like the crazy thing. Yeah, so,
0: and, and it used to drive me bananas. And so I, I just, that process itself might turn off some people from journalism. So I don't know, Jake, what are your thoughts on that whole thing?
3: Technology is always developing. If you look back a few years, it was like the thing with written journalism then it came to even the radio then television and now it's social media it's just it's meeting the needs of our generation and social norms it's not necessarily our generation's fault it's just it's adapting it's that's what happens in life as when we advance we want to meet those needs we want what's easier we want what's more efficient and so with all these like different outlets that you have to put your sources and all these news articles on I feel like that's just, it's the norm, but it's just, it has to be that way simply because we've advanced over time and it just follows this trend. And chances are, it's going to continue to be that way in 10 years. Who knows what the new outlet's going to be like. All virtual
0: reality. Right. And who knows? Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you can't really, it's annoying. Yes, but it's needed. And while it's annoying, you kind of just have to accept that. It's the norm, and you have to just adapt to that because that's the only way you're going to be efficient and get things done.
0: So in short, Jake is saying, get used to it, old people. This is (laughs) the way it's going to be. Try to say it in a nice (laughs) way. (laughs) And I didn't mean to imply that, oh, I get a newspaper delivered to me and I do all these things, that I have a better way to get information. I didn't mean to imply that. Um, So, and I I think what you guys are saying essentially is that technology changes, you need to to adapt with it, and I I 100% agree with you. Jillian, what are your thoughts, you know, as somebody who's – going to be or, or is and is going to be producing information that either supports or promotes some sort of company or person in the ecosystem of the news and information world. Um, tell me how you, your philosophy behind that as a value, we already kind of talked about how you, you're you an optimist, right? So you want to see the positive side of things. So tell me about that and how you want that work that you do to live within this ecosystem we're talking about within this this very you know, fast moving social media world, like the work that you do, how do you imagine it fitting in in, into that ecosystem?
2: Um, Yeah, so I think a lot of the thing with public relations is you kind of have to give what the people want to see. And that's just like part of reputation management. Like if you want to have a good reputation, you kind of have to go along with what people want. Even if like the person like me, if I were producing the content, I didn't necessarily agree with it. um, You kind of have to go with like what the majority says. So, I think that involves a lot of research too. Um, Like whether you're seeing what's trending or whether you're even doing like surveys and just like kind of polling public opinion. Um, So I think in a way, like it kind of feeds into like what's more popular. So that's how things become more biased is because you're feeding into like what people want and then that's, I mean at least um, from the work I've done so far, far, like that's just kind of what I've done. Like I've just, I've kind of wanted to go with the people because that's, what gets you like the likes and the right. comments and um, the positive reputation, so.
0: No, that makes sense. And I mean, it's, I think it's great that you're already aware of sort of the pitfalls of that, right? Mm-hmm. That That could lead to, more bias or more, um, you know, that the thing that's popular isn't necessarily the best thing, but that's kind of what you have to do. But I think being aware that it could be problematic is, is key because then you can watch for where you might, might trip up, right? Because um, you, you inevitably will if you're always following the majority. Like Mark Twain said, uh, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. So something like that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we are about out of time. I going to give each of you just a couple minutes to just, just, you know, talk about whatever you want to talk about related to this stuff. Grace, let's start with you. Final Straight thoughts. No final <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> journalism or just the future of journalism, news information, anything you want to mention?
1: Journalism is a scary place.
0: <laughs> it's a little scary. It is. Um, but listen, you guys, uh, you know, uh, there there are a few things that are more important. And I encourage you as you enter the field um, and public relations <laughs> for that matter, um, just do your best to maintain your integrity. Uh, never sell yourself short. Um, never do something that goes against your own morals. Um, if something feels wrong, it probably is. Um, and if you ever get burnt out by doing those really hard investigative pieces, just remember why you do it, right? That it is super, super important. And like, uh, what was it Superman? Great power comes great responsibility, right? <laughs> so recognize the power that you have and the importance of the work that you do. Um, while also recognizing that you need to hold yourself very accountable and be honest about your mistakes and uh, be diligent and correct them. Uh, Jake, what do you think? Any, any other thoughts on Honestly, this Honestly,
3: I was gonna say what you just said, staying true to yourself. And um, I feel like there's a lot more to news than just those <laughs> bad stories that you hear and like those devastating and tragedies. I feel as though everyone has a story honestly everyone does have a story and you can make a story out of everything and i feel it's more important to share those heartfelt good feeling stories of those everyday average people who have those unique things about them as opposed to like war and people dying and all these tragedies going on when you report those things you can see that people are similar and that we do have this unity that it's not necessarily addressed often in news and i feel it's more important to bring people together than to tear them apart.
0: Mm. Very well said. Jake might have a career in public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just uh, say real quickly that I agree with you 100%. And I went to, when Michael Brown was shot in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, I, I actually quit my job, uh, f- paid for myself to go there, and I, I consciously did not want to tell those stories that we are hearing all over the place, which was exactly what happened, right? And the, this, this police um, anger toward the black community and the black community's anger toward the police, which the story you were hearing often important story. But I just I decided to talk to people and I just talked, met people in the street and just talked to them and talked to them and spent hours just listening to their stories. And I created a bunch of stories that are on the Fergusonfiles.com If anybody ever wants to, to check it out. And it's actually some of the most, uh, the best work that I've ever done. And I just did it for myself because I, well, I did it for, uh, for the community because I didn't think people were telling personal stories. Um, and that was what at least moved me the most as a journalist was just learning individual uh, people's stories and and being able to tell them. And absolutely agree that you know that is what keeps us going. That's why we do the work. It's for for people, right? And if you can't do the work for people, what are you doing it for? Uh, Julian, final thoughts on all this stuff? Uh, I know Jake's at the bar, kind of high, but you know, <laughs> feel free. Weigh um, in.
2: um, I guess like this stuff can be all very overwhelming, but I don't think we have to fear too much because. At the end of the day, like, we're in control of, like, what we consume and what we see. Like, I think we have more power than we think. So if we kind of, like, want to see positive things, like Jake was saying, like, it's at our fingertips. Like, we just have to look for it. So I think kind of what we were saying before, the first step is being aware of that. And then after that, it's kind of in our hands. So it's not, it doesn't have to be such a negative thing. Like, we don't have to be scared of, like, the media because at the end of the day, we do have a lot of control over it.
0: Also very well said. See, you guys know now. You guys know why I hired this team. Uh, very well spoken. Very uh, mature for your age. When I was y'all's age, I don't know. I couldn't have answered any of these questions. So, thank you for for your time. All right, Earth specimens. That is it for this episode. Thanks so much for lending your ears to us today. This was our final episode of season one of Baffled with me, David DeRoche. Yay. So we're going to be back at the end of January with a new production team. But in the meantime, I really want to hear from you. Tell me about some bad journalism you've encountered or maybe some great stuff you've read or seen. I want to hear about it all. Find me on Twitter at SavingEJ or email me at David.DeRoche at QU.edu. That's 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 David.DeRoche at QU.edu. This podcast is a production of the Quinnipiac University Podcast Studio. Our producer is Grace McGuire. Our social media coordinator is Jillian Catalano. And our videographer is Jake McCarthy. That music you hear is composed and performed by yours truly. To learn more about this podcast and others, visit qu.edu slash podcast. You can also check out our new website, QuinnipiacPodcasts.com. Thank you so much for listening to Baffled with David Roche. Until next time, next year.